This is episode 55 with Sam Tooley. Welcome to The Athletic Mindset. I'm your host, Corey Camp, former Division I swimmer turned personal performance coach. Each week, it is my goal to bring you a unique story of an elite athlete's mindset to help you unlock and discover your life's potential. Today, I sit down with Sam Tooley, endurance athlete and performance coach. Sam is the founder of the Alpha Fit Club with two locations at the moment and another three on the way. He takes his alpha mindset of constant improvement beyond just his training. The alpha mindset doesn't make life easier, but it's how he's been able to make it this far in his life. We dive deep into his story, the ups and downs athletically and emotionally, and he realizes now the opportunity that's in front of him. Each day provides him with a challenge that's unique, and he shares with us how he's learned to embrace it. So please welcome on Sam. So we used to take the kids uh, on the track team, and I did it when I was in high school as well. Uh, we took them to a training camp in Vermont for a week, and you just ran twice a day. You would do an easy shakeout in the morning, listen to like Olympic track runners in the, during the day, chill, play dodgeball, whatever, and then run again hard in the afternoon. You would do it every day through trails of Vermont, and you're like, man, like, as like this is just a different experience. Like, if you're in Vermont or Maine or New Hampshire or Colorado, like, why wouldn't you run every day? Like, it's it's yeah. just the best. So that's what I say. That's what the experience is all about. And that's perfect um, kind of segue into things here for you. How did you find running? How did you get involved in that sport? Was that always your calling or did you stumble into it? Yeah. So I would say it was always my calling. I just didn't know it. Um, I played every sport under the sun, loved competing, but wasn't necessarily physically built to compete in most of the sports and so I played soccer I played basketball baseball and the only thing that I was good at was getting to the ball first uh, I was just fast and that was really all I had and so I enjoyed that I, I was known for being fast and then when I found uh, running which was on a whim like it's a funny story and it could be fabricated because now at this point I'm like you know I'm 15 years past this point but I, I remember it as such my buddy stole my bike, like one of my best friends, stole my bike, started riding away with it. And I chased him down on foot while he was on the bicycle and like threw him off the bike. And his older brother looked at me and was like, dude, he was like, you're coming out for the track team. And I thought he was going to kick my ass. And he was like, no, you're coming out for the track team. And so immediately I took to it for a bunch of different reasons. Um, Westfield itself, my hometown, where the gyms are located now and where I'm still based, um, is a, has a historic running program, like the most state championships for a public, uh, school, um, the biggest team in the state of over 300 boys and girls, which is bigger than some graduating classes. Um, it's just very prevalent in town. And so you, you, it's not one of those things where in most cases, or at least the, maybe the thought in my head is that running is kind of like laughed about and like almost the oddballs, which we totally were, we were definitely a weird mishmash of humans, but it's important in our town and it's definitely held, held in high regard. So um, the history and the lineage of it was attractive. And then, you know, just finally having something that I could call my own. All of my buddies were incredible athletes drafted into the MLB in high school, um, you know, really high level soccer players all getting recruited for D1. And then there was just me. And I was like, I need my thing. And so that was, that was running. And on top of all of that, you know, I had, and uh, an interestingly difficult uh, upbringing in the sense that I just 
didn't feel like life was fair, maybe. And um, it was one of those things where I needed to to like internally in terms of like motivation and stuff like that. Like, I just didn't think life was very fair in the way that my militant coach described it to me was like, listen, if you work your ass off, you're going to get better. And I was like, cool. I was like that, that sits well with me. So when it was explained that simply, and I saw the results of that work, I was like, cool. I was like, this is, this is something for me that I can latch onto. Um, and so I was able to kind of put my head down and, and reap the rewards of that hard work. Yeah. I was about to say, I mean, I, having only known you for like a few months here and following your journey in that short amount of time, Obviously, the hard work still exists. How did you manage kind of that militant coaching style of like pedal to the metal? Like we're going to pound some, some mileage here and get better and like not get turned off by that. You know what I mean? Like I think that's overwhelming for some people. Totally. I think everybody responds to it differently. And, and fortunately for me, I think two things. One, coming from an athletic background to find running is very different than just finding running, right? So I was always the little kid on the team, like the small, shorter kid. I always had a chip on my shoulder because I didn't come very naturally to me and I was frustrated by that. So as soon as somebody kind of tapped into that anger and aggression that I had um, and gave me an outlet to push through and saw that I was capable of more than I understood that I was capable of, I was able to just lean into that. And I think my coach, who again was like a 70 year old military guy, saw potential in me that I didn't, you know, I, running was so new. I didn't know what was possible. Um, but when somebody's like, yo, you could be a state champion, you could be a school record holder. You're like, at first you're like, yeah, okay, man, sure. And then things start to click and he, you know, they're just, when somebody instills a certain level of belief in you, it's, um, it's powerful, you know, it's powerful. Yeah. How'd you lean into that trust of your coach? Because I've, I've had coaches that have done the same to me. And initially it's like, dude, you're crazy. Like I, it's a, we have those self-limiting beliefs come out right in our own self. And we want to believe them that we can be that state champion. We can win a title, but then our like own mind comes back into play. How'd you quiet your own mind and lean into what your coach saw for you? I don't think I quieted it. I think I let it like, I, I was, I was, I had a lot of belief in myself to be honest with you because I had this, this grit about me um, early. Right. I, I knew deep down that my skill quite, and this sounds a little bit sadistic, but my skill was being able to endure suffering, whether that was physical, whether that was emotional, um, I had, you know, I had, a, uh, an, a, an interestingly tough upbringing in the sense that life looked picture perfect, but I was in so much inner turmoil within my family, um, and within my, with my, within my own self that every day just felt like a gut punch. Right. And I was like, man, if I can handle this, like I can handle the physical component of it. And so the question that would always run through my mind or the way that I framed someone who was going to be an excellent endurance athlete or runner was who is going to quit last. Right. And I knew for a fact, if it came down to me and somebody else on the line, I looked at them and I was like, dude, you have no, you have no idea what you are up against today. And chances are they were way faster than me. 
but I was like, I'm going to make you hurt to beat me. It will not be easy um, because I just won't quit. And so I think for me, like recognizing had that power, right. As an endurance athlete, I was like, listen, it's just a matter of time. Like you keep showing up, you keep putting in the work, you keep grinding it out. Like you will get fitter, you will get faster. And if you have the ability to make it, make it hurt and push, you will outlast somebody else who's on that same level. You take two dudes who are the same speed and you say, who's got more guts, right? Who's going to quit last? That's who wins the race. And I was like, all right, well, let's find out what you got. And I remember I was a different type of runner, right? Runners are typically like, hey, man, like, good luck to you. Like, best wishes. I'm like, stop talking to them. I'm like, they're not our friends today. Like, we're here to race. We're here to compete. And it took that athlete mentality, right, where it's like, yo, this is a competition, right? Um, and I tried to embed that as best I could amongst a team who maybe didn't have the same background, maybe who didn't have the same chip on their shoulder, and maybe didn't have them grit that I, I had fostered my whole life um, as a leader, right? That was something that I tried to embed in this team. Yeah. I mean, I think you did a phenomenal job with leadership and it didn't stop just in your athletic career because obviously now you've shifted into the coaching space and all of this with around the alpha project, alpha mindset. Did that kind of develop as a result of obviously your success in running? And then how did you just come about this extension, I guess, of your running career to now? Yeah. So ironically, the groups in high school were called Alpha Bravo Delta, mm. Alpha Bravo, Charlie Delta, Foxtrot, right? So you were, you know, you, you were, you were putting in groups based upon how fast you were. Um, and I would also say your potential because there was many times where you were putting groups that you couldn't hang with, but the coach knew you eventually could or, or should be with. Um, I'm rocking, rocking an alpha hat now as we speak. Um, so when I opened up my first gym and I was trying to think of the names, I was coaching at the high school as a volunteer. Um, and just something about that resonated with me, man. And it was, it was a mindset. So for me running while it was, you know, certainly part of who I was, I think what lasted with me and why I knew I needed to return to the team and to coaching and to all that is the mindset and the kind of the way that you had to carry yourself if you wanted to end up in that alpha group, right? It was a constant pursuit of getting better because the guys in that group were not stopping anytime soon. Um, and so while I was a great, you know, middle distance runner and eventually like a cross country runner, it didn't come naturally. There was always somebody on the team way faster than me. And it took me, it took me till my senior year to become a varsity cross country runner, right? Like we were one of the best teams in the state by far. And any other team you put me on, I would have been one of the number one guys. But here I was, I couldn't, I was a JV runner on my own team when I would have been the best runner on almost every other school's team. You know, it was a crazy uh, fight to join that alpha program. And that's something that stuck with me, not during college, um, quite frankly, I definitely lost my way in college, struggled with depression, anxiety, addiction, you name it. And that's definitely a, a long story um, to go into. But when I regrouped and kind of gathered myself and said, listen, you've got to take responsibility and ownership for your life. Um, I knew I needed to get back around that program and get back to just who I was at my best, which so much of it was when I was running, when I was pursuing, you know, getting better each and every day, 
not just in my training, but just in life in general. Um, and I think that's the beauty of endurance sports is that it, that what you practice, and it's something I've been thinking about a lot lately, what you practice in sport, right, typically starts to just transcend into your life. It's almost not the other way around, right? You can be really disciplined at work. You can be really disciplined in whatever, and it doesn't always translate into your health and wellness, right? You can neglect that. But when you are dialed into your athletic pursuits, your self-improvement, your physical you know, progress, for me, that's been the easiest place to focus my attention and hope that it transcends into everything else that I'm doing. And so that's been, you know, uh, kind of the rationale behind the name uh, behind it. Um, and yeah, we've, we've, you know, integrated it into the names of the gym from Alpha Performance, which is a private training facility to Alpha Fit Club, which is a group training concept to Project Alpha which is my online uh, kind of strength and conditioning program through ladder to uh, Alpha Mindset, which was a mindset course that I launched at the beginning of 2020. So um, Atlas and I got wolves tattooed on my body at this point, right? Like I'm rocking a bunch of wolf tattoos and whatnot. So um, it's a major part of, of who I am and how I operate. Yeah, there's so much I want to unpack there. The first being what really resonates with me is it's funny at university of Delaware, where I went to school, my coach renamed the distance group into the a group for that same mentality. He wanted us to be known as the group that scored the most points and was like the, the leadership and the key example. So that really resonates with me. And I, it's kind of funny. It's like you wear it with pride when you're in the group, but it can be super like standoffish to outsiders looking in. I had friends on the team that weren't in the A group and they just thought we were like full of ourselves and stuff. And I think that kind of comes with the alpha mentality in a lot of senses. It was funny you say that because there was definitely an animosity between the groups, right? Where, um, you know, Bravo, for example, wanted, you know, wanted to be alpha. Alpha saw themselves as a different caliber of a runner from Bravo. And yet, you know, one day, coach could be like, Tuli, you're no longer in Bravo, you're an alpha. And all of a sudden, it was like, okay, well, now I got to prove myself, right? Now I got to like, really represent. Um, so it is, it's an interesting dynamic. But I think good coaches, um, who are obviously leading the charge, help recognize and help the team recognize that, listen, at the end of the day, like, Bravo's helping alpha, alpha's helping Bravo, this, that, and the other thing. It's you are a unit no matter how you're sliced and dice, especially in swimming or, you know, track and field or, or whatever. For me, it was in the Foxtrot group, right? Like the lowest, the lowest rung was so inspiring to me because, and it's not always the case, but they were so inspiring to me because what's hard for you, even if you're at your fastest, is equally, if not more so hard for those who are at their slowest, right? And it's all relative, right? The dudes in the lowest group, are pushing themselves just as hard, if not harder, than the guys in the top group. They just aren't as fast, right? 100% is 100%, right? The output and the result are just different, right? But I respect it when you're not winning and when you're not in that top group because then you're like, damn, like, it's not even like sexy and fun. Like, you're not winning anything. You're literally coming in last place, but you're still out there grinding. That's why when you see people running on the street, and they're moving slow as hell. And people are like, man, like I just wouldn't run if I was that slow. I'm like, well, then good for fucking them because they're out there getting it done. Like 
I don't shake my head at anybody who's putting in the work because I'm like, they're putting in the work. It's just yeah. hard work is hard work. It doesn't matter how you, what it looks like. Right. What's the beauty now I think is things like whoop and the activity trackers, you get like heart rate variability and all those measurables that really show like what my hundred percent is definitely going to be less than yours. Like my friends were hyping me up to be a good runner. And then I found your page and I was like, <laughs> well, shit, I'm, I'm slow as hell compared to what Sam's doing. So it's all relative. You know what I mean? We've all got our things. We've all got our things. I just yeah. have to be pretty good at running in a straight line for a fairly extended period of time. I love it. Circling way back to kind of your story there. So you were unpacking it. I think you mentioned briefly, like your time in college, you fell off of that mentality and that mindset. Do you think you needed that to kind of come full circle and realize the importance of the health and wellness picture in your life? I don't know the answer to that. Um, I, it's hard to say. I, you know, there are points in time because I went into college um, still very angry, still, um, you know, needing that outlet of running. And I ran my freshman year of college, but fell out of love with just not being on as competitive of a team, not having the same coach I did, having so much more freedom and flexibility, being at a school with 70% girls and on the beach, priorities shifted pretty quick. And I was a little bit burnt out from putting so much energy into running in high school. Still had a good time and still was, you know, quite frankly, partying and whatnot, but it was more for fun, right? And I went into college feeling like I had two superpowers, right? Genuinely, like I, I went into college very, very confident in the sense that I felt like I could make anybody my friend. Um, I just felt like I could talk to anybody. And I felt like that was a superpower because a lot of people couldn't do that. Um, and to be honest, man, I felt like I could do anything I wanted. Like legitimately, I felt like anything that I set my mind to, I was like, I can accomplish that. Um, and I think so much of that came from working so hard in running in high school where I was like, listen, I was just a normal freshman. And I, I proved to myself that when I set a goal, I can go get it. Um, and I think that in tandem with being able to connect with people, I was like, yo, I can do anything. Um, and I started off college, like me and my, one of my best friends to this date, I was just at his wedding the other day, like started a laundry company on campus as freshman, you know, like went to the school, created a business plan, partnered with a cleaning company downtown, uh, started a laundry service for kids on campus. Like we were doing stuff that was not normal, right? Like we would go to orientation dressed in little suits and wine and dine the parents and like. You know, again, it was just a, it was an affirmation of like, yo, if we put our heads down and, and just put ourselves out there, we can do some special things. Um, my downfall was essentially I quit running and uh, that partying became more, more of a need than a want to just feel, quite frankly, by the end of college, normal. Like I was so low and I felt so hopeless and lost. Uh, um, and I think it's a natural progression. The more you drink, the more you drug, like the more you get in your own head, the darker it gets. Right. And so it just was year after year, it got worse and worse to the point that it was like debilitating. By the end of my junior year, I was kicked out of college. Um, no one knew, right. Not one person knew that I got kicked out. Um, not even my parents. And I wiggled my way back in. And by the time graduation for my senior year came, I was sitting in the, in the stands with my parents watching my friends walk across graduation, swig 
bringing walk like vodka out of a water bottle. And, you know, it was, I remember sitting on the beach, looking at my mom, just repeating, like, you are a failure. You are. A fa-. And I just kept saying it. I was crying on the beach in front of all my friends and their parents as they celebrated graduation. And my parents just watched me fail. And that, that ate away at my soul. Like truly it's a vivid memory that I have. And, um, that's something that I really had to battle back from. So to answer your question, would, you know, do I feel like I needed to go through that to really embrace where I am now? I think, I think it happened for a reason. Do I look back and wish it didn't happen and that I just stayed on that trajectory of feeling like I could do whatever I wanted? Of course, because it feels like wasted time to an extent, right? But at the end of the day, um, you know, lessons were learned from it 100%. And I think I've used that wasted time, if you will, as a motivating factor in the sense that like every day is an opportunity, take advantage of it, don't don't take your foot off the pedal um, because you've done, you did that for long enough. Right. Mm -hmm. And I hate the idea of not maximizing every day because it's like, you know, and this is a story that we can dive into as well, but who am I to waste the day? You know, who am I to, to not push my potential? Because I quite frankly, just get the opportunity to wake up and do that. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And it's, really key example of how our routines and our habits whether they're good or bad really kind of feed off of one another when you're in that negative loop of habits that are going down the partying the drinking it's easier to stay in them and just kind of sink deeper into that that routine and vice versa like now i'd say you've done a phenomenal job setting up routines and habits around building yourself up, getting better, appreciating each day, improving each day. How did that shift happen for you? Like what was, was there a certain turning point that you can kind of look to? Was it that moment at graduation or, or what? It's all, you know, it's good questions. It's a very long story to say, you know, to explain where I got uh, or where I am rather. Um, But that said, as I mentioned, I was in such a deep and dark place and that continued, um, you know, well past that graduation point. That was definitely a, one of my darker moments, but it was, it was um, just a culmination of years of, of a downward spiral. And people talk about hitting rock bottom. I would say that moment right there was when I realized I had hit rock bottom. It was the first time that I was like, holy crap, this is real. Because to see your family disappointed is more than it's it's worse than being even disappointed in yourself um i agree years you know months went by i was a fifth year senior i was working at a dump and living in an unfinished basement sleeping in a tent so that spiders wouldn't come down in the middle of the night and my grandparents came up to visit me um super close with them my grandpa's like one of my biggest role models ever like just a model citizen and somebody who just goes above and beyond and is respected by everyone that comes into contact with him. Um, They took me out to dinner and it was more, it was actually because they were worried about somebody in my family, right? Not me, because I was so good at putting on a facade. And they said, we're going to get, you know, quite frankly, it was my mom. And they said, we're going to get mom help. Um, She needs to get, you know, get her stuff together. Um, And so it was my excuse to come home, right? It was my excuse to come home. I said, oh, I'm going to take care of my little brother, yada, yada, yada. 
so I was able to pack up and not work at the dump and not sleep in a basement and not, you know, not, not live this sad life that I was living, but I was still sad in my, in my heart because I was like, man, you're just not doing it. And, uh, so we went to, uh, we went to visit my mom and I heard this girl share her story. Right. And she shared her story where she was talking about feeling hope, like hopeless and lost and alone and all this stuff. And she was describing what it, what it's to go through addiction, right? Depression, addiction, anxiety. None of these things that I knew that I was dealing with. None. And I thought she was a count. I thought she was a counselor there, but she was just a, she was a past patient, right? In this rehabilitation facility. And my foot went from tapping to almost getting sick in the middle of the room because it was resonating so heavily with me to the point that I had to excuse myself and go outside and catch my breath. And usually in this moment, I would just talk myself down. I'd be like, you're fine, man. Stop, like relax. And uh, for whatever reason, in that moment, I worked up the courage to pull this girl aside and say, yo, what you just said shook me to my core. Is this me? Like, do I have this problem? And we sat down for an hour and we talked. I'd never spoken to anybody about this. I'd literally never met this girl. And she's like, if you leave here, it will be the biggest mistake of your life. She goes, you will regret this the rest of your life. So I fought with it the whole weekend. Um, you know, talked to a few very close friends of mine and ended up checking myself into rehab. Um, and that was about four, four years ago, give or take. Um, a little bit less than four years ago. And it was a lot, man. Like it was a huge decision. And that was the turning point, right? Have courage to listen to I and say, you have a problem. You now have identified the problem, which to me was a weight off my shoulder. And you need to take responsibility for your life because nobody ever held me accountable. I had so much other shit going on in my life that everybody always gave me the pass. They were like, it's all good, man. Like you've got this going on. Your parents are getting divorced. Your mom, you know, is struggling like this, that, the other thing. Nobody ever held me accountable. And it wasn't until I took responsibility for my life and said, yo, unless you do something, you will continue down this path. And quite frankly, it was not one that I wanted to go down. So in that moment, I checked myself into rehab. I stayed in sober living an additional 60 days. Um, you know, tried a job, like got a job, knew I didn't love it and came home to start coaching. So really that pivot point, that turning point in my life was looking myself in the mirror and saying, you know what you're capable of and you are headed a very scary path that you've seen what happens when people go down and you deserve more than that. And so it was, it was kind of just taking control of my life and taking ownership and responsibility of my actions for the first time in a long time and saying like, yo, it's time to buckle up and do this thing. And you have the power. Her words to me were this, you don't have to live like this anymore. She's like, you have a choice. And I was like, huh? I was like, so you're saying that if I just, <laughs> if I just stop doing what I'm doing, and actually do the next right thing, I'm gonna be okay. And she goes, that's exactly right. And uh, I just didn't feel like I had a choice for a long time. I felt like that was just the way the world was. That's the way that I was. And uh, it was like a shock to my system. And it was like, she took me by the shoulders and shook me and was like, wake up, you know? And uh, super thankful for that. Um, and there's been plenty of tests that have come uh, since that point. But that was the foundation 
where I, I was able to take 90 days for myself and really just ingrain certain ideas, thought processes, core values, like what was important to me. And no matter what has come up since then, and some truly traumatic shit has happened in the wake of that, um, I just have this rock solid foundation that I understand that it's on me at the end of the day. It's on me. Dude, that's some powerful stuff. I want to just acknowledge you and thank you for, for sharing so open and honestly there because it's not easy and it's not easy to admit to that being at that point, you know, especially when we want to put on that facade, I'm the same way. I want to be perfect. I want to put out the perfect episode, the perfect, you know, workout, like whatever it may be, like everything I do, I want it to be like my stamp of approval on it. And it's, it takes a lot to really lean into just accepting that it's not going to always be perfect, but you at the end of the day own that. And you, when you can kind of lean into it and be vulnerable to it, like that weight is lifted, like you mentioned, and your limits just kind of get kind of thrown out the window. Like you can do anything. You can tap back into that feeling that you went into school feeling like you could literally do anything. And I think it's fair to say after that moment, the past four years, I mean, you've opened one gym, two gyms. How many stop me when I, when I'm there, like we got five on the docket. Yeah, man. It's, you've done some next level shit since then. Um, and it's I think a lot of it comes from that journey. Yeah. So it's funny. Cause as I sit up in Maine right now with mom, we went out to dinner last night and we were talking about, um, so three years ago, the reason we take this trip is, um, you know, one of the tests we've lost some, you know, really important people in my life. Um, the first season that I was coaching at the high school, I lost my dad really suddenly. Um, he was 58. He had like a routine neck procedure that just didn't go right. Um, and we lost him like just very suddenly. And it was, it was tough because he was, I mean, obviously, it was tough, but he was, he was also my biggest supporter in letting me come home and letting me coach and, you know, going to treatment and all that stuff. Um, and you know, he was my biggest fan, hundred percent, like always so proud of me, even when I didn't feel like I deserved it. Fast forward nine months later, um, it's August. I had just signed the lease to my first gym. It was a tiny studio. It's a big, you know, it was a big step for me. Um, and really my world was just rocked, man, like just rocked. And, uh, we had a home fire, um, and we lost my little brother in the fire and, uh, 19 years old, like just, you know, something you see on like the news or in a movie and you never think would happen to you. And, uh, here I was like trying to get my life together and it just was like gut punch after gut punch. And this one was like the, the ultimate dagger. Um, cause he was, when my dad passed away, like my purpose for living literally became show Jake, show your brother that we can do whatever we want, right? Like no matter what, you can persevere, you can keep going. And then to have him taken from me, I was like, man, what the, what the fuck's the point in all this? Like, why am I fighting, you know? Um, so that was August uh, 27th of three years ago. So in three days, we're on the anniversary. So we like to get away come up here for that it's good uh, to have just kind of get uh of the hometown 
no doubt. And so in terms of escape, ironically, that's the exact word I would use is that I signed up for my first Ironman. Um, and I said, listen, I need something. I need to pour myself into something. I need, I need an outlet like I used to have. Um, and so uh, two years ago, I came up here and I did my first half Ironman. And I, I don't like to toot my own horn, but I crushed it. Like I, I shocked the hell out of myself. I couldn't swim for shit. I couldn't ride my bike. Um, all I could do was run. And it was like the worst thing that I did on the day was I, I ran poorly. Um, but I came up here and it was on the one year anniversary of Jake passing. And uh, it was like a burden was lifted off my shoulder. And I was like, yo, you have permission to live life. Like, go, go do it. Um, so it was just like this special thing um, coming up here. And it was like this, like, it was like a cool feeling where I was like, I felt Jake with me as I crossed the line and I'm not very spiritual or anything like that, but just, just, I felt it. And uh, so that was two years ago. And to think about what has happened over the course of the last two years since that point is unbelievable. Like truly, as I sit back and I think about like, let's take it month by month, man, 24 months. What did I do last month? What did I do the month before that? You know, we've, we relocated a gym. We started a nonprofit. We organized a 5K with 2,000 people and raised a boatload of money. We, you know, I've now gained, I coach almost a hundred athletes all over the world from Olympic trial qualifiers to this, that, and everything. Like the list of accomplishments. And again, this is not to toot my own horn. It's just like the point being is what can happen in two years, two years. When you put your head down, you can be in a different fucking world. Right. And so that fires me up when I think about, okay, Last two years I've done this. What can I do if I continue on this path, continue to take what I've learned, the habits I have, and all of that? What can I do in the next two years? It should be, it should be exponentially greater, right? Um, so time moves fast as long as you, and, and big things can happen as long as you actually take the lessons you're learning and apply them. Because if you don't do that, then you're just going to keep doing the same stuff, right? Um, but it all goes back to taking ownership. Yeah. Nothing changes. Nothing changes there. And I love the little sadistic bit in you. Cause I'm the same way that you turn to something like a half iron man to yeah. be like that piece of like freedom, you know, yeah. it, but to me, freedom lies in pushing my body to some unknown, unreal limits. And I think you can probably say that resonates a lot with you as well. It's literally how I operate on a daily basis. Exactly. Um, you mentioned lessons and learning from your lessons. What are, if you could narrow it down to two things that you've learned throughout your journey sure. that you would deem essential, that you take with you every day now, what would those two be? Um, so there's two, and I don't want to beat, beat, the, you know, beat the drum too much, but I think the first one, as we mentioned, is just that you are in control of you, right? So like what happens next is up to you, right? Because it's how you respond is what happens next. So like we don't get, we don't get a say in the cards that we're dealt, right? I've always felt like, listen, quite frankly, you hear my story. I've been handed <laughs> card after card after card of like, yo, Try, you thought that was hard, try this. You thought that was hard, try this. Um, so you, you don't get a say in that, right? But you do get a say in how you respond to it. And I think as soon as you acknowledge that 
and this goes very much into my next point, but as soon as you acknowledge that, it's just, there's really only one thing that can happen next, right? And if you do the next right thing, if you just handle that response appropriately, like that's all you can do, right? At the end of the day. And so at the end of all of that, right? Taking that information and applying it, like the hard truth, right? When people ask me like, what, you know, what is, what is like the hard truth? Hard truth is like, no one's gonna do the work for you, right? No one's gonna hand you nothing. So like, if you want something, you need to go out and get it, period, right? And you can, if you understand that as truth, right? But if you sit back and just wait for shit to happen, man, it might, right? Like you might get lucky, something might click, whatever. It might happen in five, 10 years, right? If you just go at that rate. But if you want it, you gotta go get it. And no one owes you anything, right? You could be a good person, you could be this, that, and the other thing. But like, everybody lives in their own little world, man right? Like they're focused on themselves, myself included, right? Like I'm not thinking about, you know, Susie and what she's got going on today. Like, you know, I'm focused on me and what I got going on. And I think, you know, as long as you do the next right thing, right? Double down on that, triple down on that. And then understand that it's on you at the end of the day to go out and get it. Like things are going to happen for you a lot quicker and you're going to start understanding that luck isn't really a thing, right? It's really just about like, you know, the people who keep getting results and keep finding success are the ones who keep showing up no matter how they feel, no matter what they got going on, they just show up and get it done. I love that. And I think that's the biggest downfall I've saw in my own career and people that I've seen and talked to is like getting to that point where you work so hard and then you put it out there and you don't get the results you've you wanted or you felt like you deserved and you just sit with your head down and you're like, I don't get it. Like I'm sure running is definitely one of those sports too, where like in swimming, you work so hard for months and months and months and then you taper down your training and you really like get one or two true shots a year at that, that personal best. It's not like you just wake, wake up today and, and go for a run and hit a personal best. You kind of progress and play plan for it and swimming it's the same way i feel like when you have those moments and they don't pan out the way that you expect them to it's very very hard to to navigate but i think you just gave a blueprint to for those people that struggle with that to navigate that it it falls on them and as long as your output continues to be there the outcomes are going to come and, and listen, like we, it, it's a very good point. And I think that expectations, right, are, you know, can be a big downfall, right? Like it's, I always talk about this because I coach so many endurance athletes who are training for one singular race, right? Whether it's their first Ironman, the Olympic trials, like whatever. It's very easy for us to lay out a plan, right? And check the box, check the box, check the box, check the box. And like to show up and to put in the work when everything's lined up nice and life is easy. That's easy, right? If you're, if you're motivated and you know, it's something you enjoy, it's very easy to show up when like you've got the plan, life is good and you're just checking the boxes. It's very hard to show up and still check the box when life gets in the way and things aren't going to plan and all that. But it's, it's, it's delusional, right? It's straight up delusional to think it's going to be easy right? 
And so we set the expectation early in training with me as your coach to say, shit will come up, right? Things are going to happen. You, you could get injured, you know, you could, you know, whatever, life's going to get in the way. Do not expect anything else, right? Expect it to be a bumpy road, right? And the best athletes, the best people, whether it's in sport or business or whatever, are the people who get punched in the face and say, okay, now what, right? You sit and cry in the corner because you got punched in the face. What's that doing for you? It does nothing, right? So get hit, get dust yourself off, cry a little bit. I don't care, but get back up and get to it because those are the people who just excel, right? If you can pivot quick, take it in stride and keep moving forward, those are the people who other people look at and be like, how did they, how did they get all the way over there already? Like I'm not, it's not me because they didn't sit, they didn't just sit and wallow. Right. And I know that sounds, that's probably that militant coach, you know, coming back, but it's the truth. Um, I'm laughing. It, it reminds me of a conversation we had when we first talked about weather getting in the way of the perfect plan. Yep. Something as simple as rain. Like I'm sure you have new athletes all the time. You've probably done a better job now vetting them before they start to work with you. But that would be like, uh, Sam, like you had a 10 mile run planned for me today, but I'm looking outside and there's a 70% chance of rain. So like, can I just do it tomorrow? It's, it's sunny tomorrow. And you're like, no, that's not part of the plan. They actually don't don't get a response. They don't don't answer them um, because then they either miss, they miss the run. Right. And I do not adjust. So it depends who it is. Right. But I, I've gotten that text, as you said, Um, typically I do not respond saying like, it'll be their first week with me. Right. And they'll say, Hey, not much of a, a runner in the rain. Is it cool if I do it on the treadmill today? No answer, right? And I'll see what they do, right? And if they run on the treadmill, the next week I will write in parentheses, treadmill not optional, or something like that, where I'm like, I, I saw what you wrote. I saw what you did. That ain't how we do this. Um, or they text me back later after seeing my video on social of me standing in the pouring rain, just nodding with my fist in the air, being like, no excuses. And they're like, got it. <laughs> You're like, never mind. I'll go outside. Um, so it's, it's a walk the walk thing too. I think as leaders, like you need to listen, I will never, and you'll hear me say this a hundred times. I will never ask someone to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. Um, that's why I continue to train quite frankly, when I'm losing motivation, because it absolutely happens to all of us. I just think about my athletes and I think, listen, they're out there getting it done. They're putting in the work. You're asking them to do that. Like, who are you to not? You know, who are you to not? Um, and so it's a, it's a walk the walk type of thing as well. Dude, I love it. It's, that's why I train myself too. Um, because I, I don't want to put, I don't want to have anyone put their trust in me and not be in a place to help them. And I can best understand how to help people through doing the work. And I think you can say the same. Um, Always. Sam, I just want to acknowledge you, man. The alpha mentality, the training you're doing, the coaching you do, dude, it's obviously not meant for everyone. We mentioned that earlier. But in knowing you and just kind of following your stuff more recently, but having these deeper conversations, I know it comes from just an authentic and genuine place from within you. You put in the work, you show up consistently, and you are just committed to yourself 
and more importantly to people's success more so than your own sometimes. And I think that speaks volumes to you. So thank you for the time. Absolutely, man. What's next for you? Where, where can those listening in kind of keep up with everything you got going on? I know you got a million business yeah. ventures happening. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all good. First and foremost, thank you uh, for having me and letting me kind of dish and open up. I think, quite frankly, the thing that I get most from these podcasts and hopping on is when I have to articulate my own mindset, it reaffirms it, right? So um, just as my last little nugget of advice is like, if you're jamming on something and it feels right and it's like, you know, you want to share it with people, um, share it because it always, um, anytime I hop off this, like I've got a call in 15 minutes and I'm scared for the guy on the other side of the phone because I'm going to be all charged up on my own shit. Um, but I, but like you said, I mean it, what I say, uh, um, battle tested and it's just what I believe. And I think it's to my own benefit. I think it's to people who, who can lean into its benefit. Um, so I appreciate, appreciate you having me on and I think you're doing awesome stuff. So I'm excited for you and what you've, you know, what you got going, um, in terms of what I got going next, uh, we are building three new gyms, three new alpha fit clubs, an interesting time to do it, uh, with, with COVID and quarantine. But if COVID uh, has taught me anything, it's what we're building in these gyms, which is very much, uh, a, an extension of this mindset is, uh, is needed, right? And it's, it's a massive part of people's lives once they lock into it, because, uh, it's just, it's, it's almost like the gyms are a personal development uh, program, right? It's less about the physical, more about, you know, how it transcends and how you carry yourself and how you operate in your daily life. So we're building three. They'll be in uh, Red Bank, New Jersey, uh, Verona, New Jersey. And we've got one more that we have yet to announce and finalize, but it's coming. And uh, in terms of my own pursuits, um, I have yet to announce it. So hopefully when this gets uh put out there into the universe, it will be announced, which is coming. Uh, on November 1st, I'm going to run up for 24 hours and try and run 100 miles on the track. Um, I've never done anything remotely close to that. So um, it's really just going to be a test of grit and going to try and raise some money for my brother's nonprofit. Um, and then after that, I was really jamming on those high rocks races that were going down throughout the country. Um, and I think I'm going to try and set the world record for for that in the open division, which is like the little, the little guys category, as opposed to the pro division, which is just like beasts of a human. So, um, some fun business stuff, some fun, you know, uh, individual pursuits, uh, on my end that are just kind of scary and, and challenging. Um, and hopefully, hopefully continue to dice it up with you along the way, my man. I hope you all enjoyed that conversation with Sam. I want to just acknowledge how open and honest he was. We've talked a lot about vulnerability and the power that lies there before. Sam is a great example of what that means. Identifying problems and taking ownership of them is the first step to getting what you want in life. You have the choice to live the way that you want and make the next best decision when you find yourself falling into your old way of programming. The best part is you don't have to do it alone. Surrounding yourself with the right people can make all the difference. If you're in the Westfield or Northern New Jersey area, I highly recommend checking out his Alpha Performance Studios and getting a workout in because it's so much more than just a workout. If you're not, he can be found on Ladder Teams, a next-level workout app that gives you the in-person coaching experience right on your phone. You can follow along his 24-hour run journey in November on his Instagram page at coach.samtooley and see if he hits his goal of 100 miles. If you haven't done so already, send this episode to a friend, family member, or teammate who could benefit from Sam's story. 
Stay up to date with all of our latest episodes by following me on Instagram at CoreyCampFit. And remember, if you can change your mindset and how you think, you'll be able to change your life one thought at a time. I'll see you all next week.